Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to everyone in the room. Welcome to everyone online. As was mentioned, we're starting a new series today, which is entitled Beyond Blessed. And it's based on this book. There's a bit of a cheesy picture on the front, but the the book content is excellent. Beyond Blessed. Get it from any good bookseller. I would highly recommend it by Pastor uh, Robert Morris. Before we go into that, let me read a scripture that really the whole of this series is just a short series, three weeks. But it's based on, and I'll refer to this if I remember with time, this passage as we go through because it says it well this is 2 corinthians 9 verses 6 to 12 you can get it on your u version notes if you look on the app under c3 and it'll come up on the screen remember this is what the apostle paul writes remember whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously Each one should give what he or she has decided in his or her heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. For this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but also an overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. As Ange said, we make no apologies for talking about money. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I like talking. I'm talking to the church about it. Because for me, it feels like we're at the, the front end of discipleship. And if you want to know what this church is about, it's all about making disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I'll say it strongly. It's impossible to make a fully devoted follower of Jesus without talking about money. It affects every part of our lives. And therefore, for me, it feels like we're on the front line of discipleship when we do this. And I've often got the most kickback when we talk about money. Hey, that's why we're doing it, because I just like the pain. So it's very important we don't move away from it. And this book, I would recommend it for one chapter alone. It's worth the cover price for the chapter where he talks about the extremes that you can go to or the the tracks that you can fall into. He talks about prosperity gospel. We are not a prosperity gospel church. It's not right even to talk about the gospel in that way. You do not give in order to get. That's not what the Bible teaches. So we're not, and this guy says that. Neither are we those that believe in a poverty gospel, where there's somehow some special blessing of being poor. The Bible doesn't teach that. And we don't teach that. The poor often want to get out of their situation quite rightly. And part of the good news is to help them get out of that situation. We do not teach that you give in order to get. 
rather the phrase Robert Morris uses, which we've adopted, is you get to give. Everyone smile. There we go. You feel better already, don't you? You, you get to give. It's an opportunity that we have. And although we don't teach uh, prosperity and we don't teach poverty, what we do want to teach is a provision gospel. And we mustn't be ashamed, guys, can I say this to us, of what we have as though, oh, I shouldn't have this. My dad, bless him, so often in his life he felt ashamed of having stuff. You don't need to feel ashamed. The last time I spoke on money here in this church, at the end of the service, a young man came up to me at the front here, and he said to me, um, can I read you a Bible passage? I said, of course. I'm not going to say, no, don't read me the Bible. And he read to me from Luke chapter 12, which is the story of the rich fool, when he says, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, and build bigger barns. And then at the end of it, God says to the rich fool, this night your life will be required of you. And this young man turned to me and he said, and he pointed at me, and you are the rich fool. And before he could get out and this night your life will be required of you, something rose up in me. And he carried on. He said, look at your expensive white trainers. Because these trainers, these were the very... These were the ones I'd bought the day before in Bury St. Edmunds, and they were very white. I do like white trainers. And he said to me, you've got your expensive white trainers on and your expensive watch, because this is a, a targ, a tag, what do you call it? It's a nice watch. And do you know what I found myself doing? I started to justify to him. This is what we do sometimes. We might not have a poverty uh, mentality, but we get embarrassed about having. And your having is not meant to have you. It's meant to be there in order to bless others. And I said to him, I looked down at his shoes, and I noticed he had Adidas on. And I said, do you know what? All defensive. These probably cost less. These cost me £35 in a sale yesterday. And your Adidas shoes probably cost you more. And then I thought, and, then I said, and this watch, this was a gift from someone, which it was when I was preaching, when someone gave me a prophetic word about a time change. And I wear it all the time and remind myself it was a time change in my life. And I'm justifying myself to this young, self-proclaimed prophet from a local university. And I... And I, and I, I, I I stopped myself and then realized, why am I justifying myself? You don't need to feel guilty for have unless the have has you. We are meant to be, and this is the whole point of this series for these three weeks. We are meant to be those who are a conduit for what God gives us, so we don't store it up. In fact, that parable of the rich fool, what it says is your, your life will be required of you because you have not been rich towards God. And we want to teach you. And we want to exhort you, be rich towards God. Be the one who is the provider for others. We believe in a gospel of provision. Listen to this, Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What we read in that first passage there from 2 Corinthians is how the church was to be the provision for the saints, for those that were suffering, for those that were in need, for the advance of the gospel. Because this is the way it's supposed to work, guys. God owns everything. We'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. There's lots of need in the world over here. The need of the gospel getting out to the ends of the earth. It must get out there, guys, for Jesus to return. The, the Bible being translated into many different languages. The church being built. The church being discipled. The poor and the needy being looked after. It's a responsibility we have. So God has all the resource. This is all the need over here. Guess who's in the middle? 
We are. Great answer. Hope you're saying we are online as well. We are. We are in the middle. We are, we're not Malcolm in the middle. We're the provision in the middle. We're those that are to provide for God's work. We get the honor of being able to give. We're blessed by giving. Now, a question that's often arisen when we've done series on money, particularly when we teach about tithing. We believe that the first 10% should be returned to the Lord. We teach generosity. In fact, the other book that is, uh, we've re recommended in the past is Robert Morris's first book, The Blessed Life. Anybody here ever read that book? What a great book. Anybody here in the room and online, you would like a copy of this book? On the front row. Go on, Anya, you can have that. Um, I've got three to give away. Voila, quick, catch you. Anybody right at the back? Oh, uh, should I do this? No, health and safety won't allow me. The gentleman at the back there, sitting there on the back. Oh, he's coming out. Great. And if you're online, first one to say, please send me the book and give us your address. We'll send it to you. Okay, first one. Whoever is on there. It's a great book. And we've taught that. It's all about generosity. So we believe in generosity. But this is where it often goes wrong. People say, I've tried it, and I'm still in debt. I remember one person saying to me, I'm giving, but it's not working. I still have more month left than money. Hmm. And every time we've explored further with people as to what's been going wrong, we've realized that they've got hold of the one leg of generosity but generosity standing on its own is not enough. We must have the two legs of generosity and stewardship. I knew these shoes would come in handy. The two legs of generosity and stewardship. If you separate generosity from stewardship, it's artificial separation. They belong together. When you give of your tithes and your offerings, this is common sense, we know, but we've met a lot of people where sense isn't as common as you think it should be. And when we tithe and give offerings, you still need to budget. We're going to talk about that more in a few weeks. You still need to steward the rest of the money God has given you. So the two belong together. Generosity and stewardship. Stewardship is defined like this in the, in the dictionary. The conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. If you are generous, but you're not a good steward, then I'll say it to you, God will not open the floodgates because he can't trust you with it. And if you are a good steward, but not generous, we have a word for you. You're tight. And God is not tight, and neither should we be. Hello? I can hear an amen in the house. His goal is to use us. He wants to bless us. Not so as that we go, look how blessed I am. Look at what I have. That's not the point. It's to be this conduit, this reservoir, this river rather. In, not a, a reservoir that holds it, but there's a river where it passes through in order to be a blessing to others. See, a lot of people we found, they get the idea of generosity because if God's God, he's going to be generous. Look at creation. Look at the gift of his son. He's a generous God. But often we don't get the issue of stewardship. And we've seen this pastorally. I mean, making disciples. They want to be generous, 
They think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow, but they fail to be a steward of what God's given to them. So people ask as well, why talk about money? I, I don't want to be facetious. I don't want to be facetious, but this is going to sound facetious. Duh. Have you read the Bible? So much about money. 16 of 38 of the parables that Jesus told were about money. When you hear about worship in the Old Testament, it's often accompanied with bulls and goats and sacrifices that they bring to the altar. What do those bulls and goats represent? They represent their life, their livelihood. 16 out of 38, as I said, tithing, which people often try and squirm to get out of, and I never understand why. It was God's idea. So is God after your money? Does God want your money? Here's a revelation. God doesn't need your money. He's got enough. He's not after your money. The parables actually, though they're talking about money, 16, it's usually for a bigger purpose than trying to teach about money. Remember this verse? We use this a lot here, and you should grab hold of this. Where your treasure is, Matthew 6, says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. Not the other way around. Where you put your treasure, so your, your devotion, your emotions, your time, your attention follows. So when he's teaching often about talents and giving and money, it's because he wants your heart. And he knows if he gets your heart, guess what? The wallet's going to follow very, very quickly. Show me your bank accounts and I'll show you. No, we're not one of those churches either that do that. You, you don't have to show me your bank account. But if I could see, if you could see ours, I'll tell you where your heart lies. I'll tell you where it lies because it's where your treasure goes. God wants your heart. This is what it says, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. The foundation of stewardship, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone watching online, the very foundation of stewardship is an understanding of ownership. Who owns it? Listen to this psalm. I, I think this is a little bit, God's bit having fun a little bit with, with us when he, he inspired this. Psalm 50. I have no need for a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. Who do they belong to? God. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Christian, you must get this. If you sow money, you're not losing it. So people say, I'm giving, giving money away and I, I lost £100 this week. I gave it into the offering. You didn't lose anything. You just sowed. And God promises that there will be a reaping. Oh, it might not be a reaping so you can buy more stuff. It might be like we read, something more permanent, a, a reaping of righteousness, a harvest of righteousness. My money and your money, which isn't my money or your money, it's his money. If we give it and it's used to advance the kingdom of God, I haven't lost anything. I've sown so there could be a reaping of many souls. 
Hello? There could be people we don't know that we've never met in this life that we'll meet in eternity and somehow the giving of the money that we gave is related to their salvation. Folks, the money doesn't save them. We know that. But the gospel does. And the proclamation of that. Part of what we do every year is we give to Mark Ritchie to support him and his evangelism across the UK and, and the globe. There's people through his ministry who've got saved. You're part of that. Your 10 pound, my fiver, might have gone to help the advance of the gospel through Mark Ritchie. Hey, babe. This is what we do. God owns it all. Whose money is it in your bank account? If you say mine, you're wrong. It's his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. God owns it all. So, how can I demonstrate that I believe God owns it all? Simple. The first, see, God's a God of the first. The first belongs to God, no questions asked. Listen to some scriptures. Exodus 13, verse 2. Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me whether human or animal. Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best. Everyone say best. The best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Bring them. Know the story of Cain and Abel? Go and read it in Genesis chapter 4. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, while Cain was a tiller of soil. So in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, while Abel brought Best, the best portions of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but he had no regard for Cain and his offerings. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Why are you angry, said the Lord to Cain? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires you, but you must master it. See what it says there? Why does God accept Abel's but not Cain's? Is it that God is into sheep and, and, and oxen more than he is to the, the, soil, the, the fruit that's produced in the soil of the land? No, no. Read it again. It says in the, in the process of time, almost like an afterthought, Cain brought his offering, but Abel brought the best, the fat, the firstborn as an offering to God. And this is all pre-law. I know people say tithing, all that is in the law. This is all pre-law. This is Abel demonstrating the principle of stewardship. I believe this all belongs to the Lord. Then prove it, Abel. I'm going to give my first and my best. My first and my best. The first of what? Well, this is where we believe and teach this. And some get uptight about this, but this is what we believe. The first 10%. The cream off the top. I, I don't like milk. I remember as a child growing up when the kids had milk at school. We had these little bottles. This is showing my age now. And they used to have this thick cream on the top. I don't like milk. And I hated the cream on the top. Especially when the kids would drink it. And it would all be all around the mouth. And I'd be there going, mm. I just hated it. So, so it's not a great picture. But you know what? So why am I going there? I don't know. But imagine the bottle with that cream on the top, full of goodness, the best. 
God wants your best. Not your leftovers. The first 10%. Let's say 20, 40, 60, 70, 80, 90. Let's say. I need some coins for this as well. Let's say all this mounts up to 100 pounds. That's what you earn in a week. I know it's not a lot. You wouldn't survive, but let's say it. You've got a mortgage. First, I don't know, first 40 goes to the Lord, to the mortgage rather. Got, got mixed up, see. Some of us do get mixed up. Goes to the mortgage. Then you've got your council tax. Then you've got oh, insurances. Then you've got food out, coffee. It's going, this money. But you've got a little bit left here. A few treats. Yeah, let's have a few treats. Oh, kids clubs. 5,324 kids clubs every week. They're, they're costly, aren't they? So you've got to go for that. You've got five pound left here. Oh, unexpected bill on the car. Oh, I've got a pound left. Sunday. What am I going to do with my pounds? And then you remember, there's an offering comes up. We mention it again. Oh, I'll give it to the Lord. Can I just say, keep your tip for the Lord. He doesn't want it. Don't tip him. Don't give your guilt offering. Keep your best. How dare you? How dare you just give what's, what's left? Who's the first in your life? Who's your first love? Is this a bit strong? I think it's what being a disciple is. If he's your first love, you don't give your last pound. You give your first tenner if you're getting 100 pounds. You give your first, guys. So I want to appeal to us. The first battle that the Israelites fought as they went into the promised land was the battle of Jericho. Joshua bit the battle of Jericho. Know that one? We're going to finish with that today. You know what God said to them with the first battle? All the silver and gold is mine. Put it into the house of the Lord. But do you know what happened? Read Joshua 7. One man, Achan, he decided there was a nice cloak. I'm going to bury that cloak. I have some of that silver and gold. And the very next battle they fought against a little town, wasn't as big as Jericho, called Ai. Read it, Joshua 7. They lost the battle. And what was the sin in the camp that stopped them from winning and declaring victory? Now, they didn't seek the face of God. I think that's true. But it was because Achan had taken that which belonged to the Lord and buried it for his own use. And they lost the battle. Some of you, honestly believe it, you're losing battles because you haven't made priorities in some other areas, particularly related to your finance. You think, I can't play a breakthrough in this battle. I've been trying, trying. It's nothing to do with that battle. It's everything to do with what you're putting first or who you're putting first. Battle belongs to the Lord. And this puts you in that place 
of protection. Not so as you can say, look how much I've got, but they may flow through you. Once they repented, it moved. He said, oh, that doesn't happen in the New Testament. Go back and read Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. They sold some property and they brought it before the apostles and they laid it at the feet. And this is basically what they said. We're giving it all to the Lord. Look how good we are. We're giving it all to the Lord. And they kept some back and they weren't giving it all at all. That happens in churches every single week up and down the land. You know what happened? Ananias and Sapphira fell down dead, judged by God. Why? Because they lied to the Holy Spirit. So you say to me, well, if that happens every week in churches up and down the land, why don't people fall down dead? One word. Grace. Because he could. If he did it then, he could do it again. I'm not trying. That sounds like I'm trying to instill fear. We live in an age of grace. But I'm saying God notices. God sees. And there is reward accordingly so as we can be that channel, that river. And in the age to come, we're going to talk about this next week, even related to what we do with our finances. I keep saying our finances, and it's not. It's His. I'll finish with this. I believe, I don't only believe this from the Bible, I believe this in my experience. God wants to bless you. And if you know the story of Jabez in the Old Testament, when you hear of him in one place, his name literally means pain, Jabez. We don't know whether he was born in pain through his mother, whether it was through a, a dreadful situation that he was born, through rape maybe, we don't know. He says he was born in pain and he was called Jabez. And this is what he prayed. He says this, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Oh, I love that word. Oh, it's not kind of, hello, Lord. Here I am again, knocking on the door. It's, oh, that you would bless me. He's desperate for blessing. Keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And this is what it says. And God granted his request. Please, online, in the room here, God wants to bless you. He's the same God of Jabez as he is today. Of course he wants to bless. But he'll bless. I, I can't prove this. This is arguing from silence, which is a principle of the Bible interpretation you couldn't do. I think Jabez was a good steward. I just think he did things really well. And he says, God bless you. If God blesses you, will you make a promise that you'll steward well what he's given you? Some of you do. I'm looking out at people. I know you're great stewards. Thank you for your faithfulness and the way you've prioritized giving to God, giving to the church. I can see in this room, I can't see anyone online, but I know there are. There are some, I know some great examples of this. You've been blessed and you're wonderful stewards of all God's given. But maybe some of you, you just need to cry out to God that prayer, oh, that you would bless me. But make a condition. I'm going to be a good steward. And then I want to finish with this. We're going to do this over the next three months. 
We're going to do a tithe trial. What's that? We're going to let you, those of you that have never tithed before or you've never given the full tithe, that from here on in, you can give 10 months for, 10, 10% for three months. It's called a tithe trial. If at the end of that three months, you think you are worse off and you must steward as well while you do it, if you think you're worse off, you can have the money back. This is a money back guarantee. All right? You say, yeah, I'm going to tie for three months, September, October, November, or October, November, December. And if you're worse off, you can have your money back. We're going to put that money in a separate account in case there are any that do it. All right? But you can do that. Tie trial. You can do that by sending an email to tithetrial at the c3.uk. Or I think there might be a QR code that we can use. Is there a QR code for this? That if you click on there, or you can go to Church Suite. It's there on your version notes. There's a page that's set up. Tie trial, three months. 10%, three months. And if you're worse off, everything's gone pooey. Of course, we'll ask you a few questions about stewardship as well. You did, did you really need to buy that new car? Did you really need to buy that? Let's talk a little bit about it because we're here to help you and disciple you. But do it as a trial for three months. I think there's all the money in the world to do the will of God because it's His money. But it often doesn't get through us. But I think it's time for change. Would you be a good steward? Will you stand on the two legs of generosity and of stewardship? It starts with giving the first and the best. That's your tithe. Give it to the Lord through the local church, but that's another message. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to sing a song of worship. God, we know you have been so good to us. And everything there is yours in this world. We want to use it for your glory and for your honor, for the advance of your kingdom. Speak to our hearts. Change our minds. And may we be truly, fully devoted followers of Jesus who love you first and demonstrated it in the giving of tithes and offerings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand together and sing a song. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.